want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on High Pod. I'm Dad. Welcome to December 2021. It's insane. It's crazy. This is the time that I remember right when Corona first hit and people were like, things aren't going to get back to normal until maybe late 2021. I was like, late 2021? That's a million years away. It's right now. It's almost done. We're almost at 2022. Thank you, guys for tuning in and for all the support. Uh, whether you found me on HighPodOnDad.com or any of the streaming services, subscribe, like, bookmark, um, take a picture of the website, put it in your wallet, show it to people, pretend it's your baby, whatever you want to do. If you're a little weird, that's cool. Uh, but I appreciate all the support in that respect too. Thank you. Yeah. I almost didn't do this one. Uh, but not for any reasons I've talked about before. It's just been really busy. We put the tree up uh, yesterday. The elf on a shelf came me and the kids. First tree here in my house. This was, you know, for those of you guys who know, I went through a divorce and, you know, we had waited until after Christmas 2020 to kind of let the kids in on it. You know, my son is, he's, I don't say indifferent, but like there was nothing to discuss with him. It just kind of happened. I had to tell my daughter. So this is the first Christmas here, just us putting up the tree. And it's been tremendous. Um, so it's been busy. I've been getting things together. I actually had to go buy a tree skirt. Listen to this nonsense. I don't know if you guys know if you have Kohl's where you are. You know, Kohl's, Kohl's Cash, you know, ding, ding, all that stuff. Kohl's does this thing where you go in and they give you discounts and money back and they have these jacked up prices. And then after you buy whatever you buy, they circle the receipt and they tell you how much money you spent. I don't know why that's a thing, but I bought a tree skirt. What kind of tree skirt? Just a tree skirt. Just a piece of cloth. Wraps around the tree. Velcros. Uh, it's nice. Red. You know, Christmassy. Bought a tree skirt. Didn't have one. Tree skirt cost me, I had $15 in Kohl's cash, right? And I had a 25% off coupon. And in the end, I ended up paying, um, I don't know, 16 bucks, maybe 20 bucks for it. And the woman... After I do, after I bought it, circles the receipt and she goes, you say $55 here. And I laughed in her face, which I hate doing. And I've actually done this at Kohl's before. And she looked at me. I went, I went, yeah, I'm like, this is a $100 tree skirt. And she was like, oh, yeah. Like She totally was not in on the joke with me, thought I was commending the store. But they've always done that. I go to Kohl's, I'll buy like a, a t-shirt. And they're like, you saved $124. I'm like, I did not save $124. You are full of beans. Merry Christmas. So that's what happens. I got a tree skirt for the tree, and that was pretty awesome too. Uh, but yeah, I almost didn't do it, just out of pure, purely being busy. And I know I've talked to you guys before about, you know, I'm bipolar, right? I'm up and down. My emotions are all over the place, legitimately, like diagnosed bipolar, not, you know. I know sometimes people like to attribute things to themselves without being diagnosed, which I've always kind of had an issue with. I told my daughter that. I think I've gone over that. There was one time where she told me she had OCD. Which, you know, she might, I don't know, she's never been diagnosed with it. But I told her, you don't say that as an aside, because sometimes people use that as another way of saying they're neat, you know, 
Like, I like everything neat. It's like, okay, that's nice. I have OCD. Like, well, that's a big difference. And I had her watch a documentary about OCD, and she saw this guy who couldn't go to his mother's house because she lived down a, an alley, and he couldn't touch the walls, so he never visited his mother. And she was like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, welcome. That's OCD. Uh, so I have bipolar. I have legitimate bipolar. I'm not just saying it as, as kind of a, a throwaway thing. I uh, found that out in 2019, but I always kind of knew that I had this. I've always, I've always felt things kind of more than I should, I think. And I've had that. I've had, you know, people. When I was younger, I worked at this bottleless water cooler company. And this dude named Morty, who I'm not changing his name because it's just so damn perfect for an elderly sales manager, used to come in, this guy with his mustache. And when he would talk, I'll never forget it, he would have a line of spit that would go from his top lip to his bottom lip. And I don't know why it stayed connected, but every time he talked to you, it was like, oh my God, dude, it was awful. He looked like, um, you know, uh, alien, predator, whatever. And he would say, he told somebody once at work that I was, I get too emotional over things. And for me, it always came down to, and I've gotten, as I've gotten older, a lot of this has changed, but when I was younger, especially, I went through this a lot where I felt things much more than I should. You know, if somebody did something to me, that wasn't good, I would take the utmost offense to it. I get really, really annoyed. And there were so many things that surround this. I had a rough childhood and I, I took a lot of nonsense when I was younger. So as I got older, you kind of get to that point, I'm not going to take any nonsense anymore. And you're not taking it. And I'm always, I was always ready to battle somebody or fight over something or deal with something. Because to me, it never made any sense. I always went out of my way not to be confrontational with people. Not out of fear, but out of the fact that I didn't want anyone else to have a reason to give me a hard time. And if they did give me a hard time, I want it to be completely their fault. And then I could just deal with it. I never wanted to do something that would offend someone to the point where they would come and confront me over it, you know, and then I would have to fight over it, but then I would kind of feel wrong because I caused it. So I always go out of my way to try to be kind of accommodating, pleasing, unless I have a real issue with you. That's always been like that. That had always been kind of the way I dealt with it. That's what I tell my daughter too. I'm like, look, don't, don't give anybody a reason to say, well, she did this to me. You want people, if they don't like you, for it to be their issue, not yours. You don't want it to be something that you did to cause it. Because a lot of people just go around their lives just being jerky to everybody. And then people get mad. I'm like, why doesn't anyone like me? It's like, because you're a jerk, dude. Stop being a jerk. But even predating that, I could think back to when I was younger. I used to play this game called, uh, might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Law of the West. It was on Commodore 64. Because as you guys know, I'm ancient. This game, to this day, I think it was one of the, a great game for a game that came out like in the 80s on the Commodore. And it was a game where you were a sheriff, right? And the graphics, you saw the sheriff from behind and he had a gun. And these people would come out in the Old West. They would walk on out to them. They had theme music and everything. And they talked to you. And you would have to respond to them with a statement, right? So somebody comes out, you know, what do you want, partner? And you, you could say like, you know, you, you, I don't want nothing or I want a sarsaparilla or whatever you want to say, like some sort of cowboy thing. Or you could just shoot them. That's it, right? I don't know why. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why I've always remembered it. But in the game, one of the first times I was playing, this little kid came out, right? Now, they're all adults. And it was like a little kid. And he goes, he's like, hey, sheriff. And I'm talking to the kid. And he tells me, um, says, my mom is going out tonight and I get to stay up late and play cards or whatever he was doing. He's doing something, but he got to stay up late. His mother was going out. He was getting a babysitter. And then I shot him in the face. I don't know why. Just, it was a video game. And we do it all the time. You know, we play Grand Theft Auto. You're, you know, 
jumping over people and hitting people with your car. But I felt terrible. And I thought about that for so long. I beat myself up about it after it was over. I remember even at the time going, I can't believe I did that. He was going to stay up. He was going to have fun. And I shot him. And, and that was weird. And it was so weird that even as a kid, feeling it at the time, I told myself, this is weird. This is not, this is not normal. This is not, you're not supposed to be feeling that. And that's always been for me how, you know, this thing has manifested itself, you know, in terms of being bipolar. I, I feel things hard. So here I am and I was prepared for it, man. It's been a year, you know, my first year of, you know, Christmas alone. As you guys know, I'm estranged from my family. I'll talk about that openly. The, my birth family I came up with, I don't talk to them, so I don't see them at the holidays. I don't see them for things. Uh, now I'm divorced with this other family that I had for 20 years. And don't have them anymore either. A lot of things missing. Of course, there's other people. You pick up people that you know come into your life who, when I wrote about this, people will, and finding your people, you find better people. And I credit those people that I have around me now for being the ones who really kind of lift you up and made me feel better. But I was prepared for a rough holiday season because I've had them. You know, two years ago, 2019 was abysmal. It was awful. I'll never forget. That was probably one of the worst ones from top to bottom, from the beginning of December until the end. I had one day, I didn't even want to move off the couch. I was like, this is terrible. There's always a thing about the holidays and I'm not, I'm not getting that this year. And I'm happy about it. I'm glad about it. I, I think that it would be easy for me to turn around just wash my hands of it. Prepare for Christmas and be like, well, Christmas is bad for me. I don't deal with it well. It is what it is. Kids will understand. Da, da, da. And I think a lot of people do that. I've known people who do that. When something comes up, a date, an event, a landmark, something that bothers them, they just make that almost like they reserve time where they're going to fall apart. And I never liked that. Because when I would fall apart, and I had, at the holidays and things like that, or different times, you know, sometimes I don't even know when, it was always something I tried to fight against. And I couldn't control it, you know? I never gleefully just wrote it off. And I think that's the difference. Like, when I was diagnosed being bipolar, which, for those guys who don't know, I keep saying it over and over again, but it really is, uh, being bipolar, it involves depression. You get depressed. And I've had some really depressing times of my life, but I'm bipolar one, meaning I also have manic episodes where, uh, and this hasn't happened since college where, you know, you get like all riled up and you make risky decisions and you do all risky stuff. A lot of my manic times kind of manifest themselves in work and things that I do. Um, so when I was diagnosed being bipolar, I saw that as an opportunity to figure it out. I was excited. I started to learn what my triggers were. I need sleep right? I don't get enough sleep. I don't eat. I have a weird thing with eating. I don't really eat that much. So I have to make sure I eat. I have to make sure I sleep. I have to make sure I keep myself positive, keep myself moving, uh, productive. If I'm productive, I feel good, things like that. So that's how I saw it. But I also know people who will be diagnosed with something, say bipolar, and now they just, they turn into it. You know, they're just depressed. And you, hey, come on, get him. No, I'm bipolar. This is what I do. It's like, no, dude, don't. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to how you view these labels or view these diagnoses and things like that. Are they your reason for being the way you are? Or are they a help in helping you figure out how to figure them out? And I've used this 
as a way of figuring out how I work and how I can be the best I can be. You know, it would be very easy for me in December to just begin and just be miserable, you know, and I try not to, even when the kids weren't here, man, the kids go back to my ex half the week. And when they were gone, I decorated this house for Christmas. I did the lights outside. I like lights. Apparently I didn't know I liked Christmas lights. I never did Christmas lights before. And I would, I've been outside putting them up. I have neighbors stopping by like, mm, good lights. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to hire you to do our lights. Oh, you hire me to do your lights. And all of a sudden I'm a neighbor. So it's been good. And it's been happy. And I, I'm, I'm proud of that. And I hope that this can serve for any of you guys out there listening to this, you know, to try to be the best you can be. And look, don't get me wrong. Mental illness is mental illness. Like it's not the kind of thing that you could just wish away or pretend doesn't exist or things like that. And I'm not in any way implying that. Sometimes you can't. And like I said before, there were some times where I would just get into those moods where there's nothing I could do about it, you know? And I'm just like, I can't do anything. I try, but I can't, you know? I've had that happen to me. But my end game is to overcome, you know? It might not be tomorrow. It might not be, I mean, I feel good now, but who knows? Something could happen tomorrow, whatever, you know? There's triggers all over the place. But my goal is to overcome that and to work to overcome that. And if I can, and if I can be strong enough to do it, and if I can find the ways to do it, I embrace that. And I really think this holiday season, so far, knock on uh, whatever this is made out of, I have. So it's been great. And I thank you guys too for your support and writing these blogs and being able to share these things via podcast and getting the positive feedback from you guys. It's just been a really, really uh, good year. Makes you wonder how much is environmental, which is another thing too. Like just really just good people around me now feeling happy, feeling productive, feeling festive. Ho, ho, ho. And I wrote a little bit about that actually. On Wednesday, I wrote uh, about how my kids are over the elf on a shelf. But yet he still keeps coming. And I think a lot of that had to do with this season where, you know, my daughter is over it. She's 13. She rolls her eyes at me. I'm like, Elfie's coming. She's like, Even today, right? Uh, Elf, Elfie didn't move in the morning. And she got up. She came downstairs to eat breakfast. And Lucas is running around. My son is nonverbal. Autism doesn't care about the elf at all. Uh, it's cute. I'll take a picture up next to it. He helped out with Christmas decorating, which was fantastic, by the way, too. I got to... I got to tell you, this is the first year that he really got involved. He was, he got up and he put ornaments on himself. I was really proud of him, uh, but he doesn't care about the elf. So she gets up and she goes, oh, see, the elf didn't move. And I didn't sell it. I didn't, I, I guess I was tired too. Cause I wasn't like, oh my God. I went, I went, oh, it's weird. Now well, maybe he's waiting for something. She like looked at me like, what? And she ate her breakfast and then she went upstairs. Now this would have been the perfect time if I was behind the elf, which I'm not behind the elf. Uh, to pick him up and move him to the window, to the front window, but I didn't. He just was gone. I don't know. I don't know where he went. So she comes back downstairs. She gets ready for school. We get in the car. We start pulling out of the garage, and I stop the car, and I go, I go, did you do that? She goes, well, I point him to the window. I'm like, the elf? And she kind of rolls her eyes at me. I'm like, oh, I'm like, maybe he wanted to see us off. That must have been what he was doing. But it's me. It's me. I love this elf. Like, it's me he's doing it for. It's me that he's running around for and having fun with, and, and I enjoy doing it. So I wrote about that on Wednesday because I think it's funny. I think a lot of us complain about these things, but once they start to go away, we're like, no, you know? People would always say that stuff. I can't wait until I don't have to do this anymore, and then all of a sudden you're sad because your kid's growing up. So this is, I'm holding on to the elf on a shelf, and hopefully he continues to be here with us and, and hanging out with us. Uh, and as long as I'm around, he's going to be. Now, Monday was a bit different. Monday, I wrote about my son, and I, I used my favorite 
picture of him, I think, ever now um, from my daughter's bat mitzvah where he was wearing his little tie and his little leather jacket. And he's got this perfect smile on and uh, his hair was done. Everything was perfect about it. I love this picture. It was in, uh, in my house before we left. So you got to use the picture. And the article was called Letting My Nonverbal Son with Autism Be a Kid. You know, I know it's a lot of, it's hard to explain. And that's why I had to put so many words in the headline, because to just say he has autism, it would imply sometimes high functioning autism. And I, I, I've learned that my son's autism is very different than what other people might have for their autism. So if I turn around, and I say, letting my son with autism be a kid, there's going to be somebody reading it who might have autism. It's like, why can't I be a kid? Uh, I also didn't want to just say nonverbal. It's just so hard to find the things. So I put it all in there, nonverbal. He has autism. Um, and that would imply to somebody who's outside of my house that he constantly needs work to improve. And don't get me wrong, he does. There's things that we need to do to get his life skills up, to get his communication up. Um, you know, you want your kid to be able to brush his own teeth. You want your kid to be able to put on his own shoes. You want your kid to, you know, know how to express his feelings. All those things are very important. And when he was younger, it was a furious dash to get those things done because holy crap, he's not doing them. You know, everybody else is talking. This this other four-year-old's telling me, uh, you know, a freaking joke. And my kid's not saying a word. What am I doing wrong? We got to get this kid speech. We got to get this kid everything. You have everybody in your house and you freak out. He's 10, right? And he's made incredible progress, like a lot of progress. He's done things I didn't think he would ever be able to do, things that surprise you. And that's one of the best things about him is, you know, all of a sudden he'll go in and he'll wash his hands by himself. I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? You know how to wash your hands? Things like that are very surprising and he still does those things. And it's great. But you're still in the mindset, and I'm still in the mindset of you know, get him as much help as you can, have people come to the house, and we have him in school all day, and then he comes back, and he's got hours and hours a week of after-school lessons. And I finally said, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to cut out all of his after-school lessons, but I definitely want to cut it down, at least when he's with me, because I feel so bad for the kid. To go to school for like seven hours and have another two hours, and then they want to do makeups if they miss one. And it's like, this kid is all he's ever doing sorting colors and moving things around. And it's important. Yeah, I get that. But I want him to do things with us, decorating the tree, taking a ride in a car. I had a friend of mine, um, you know, her son is much like Lucas. And she had come over. We were going to go take the kids to Hicks Farm, right? And they come over. I guess I don't even know what Hicks Farm is. I'm talking to people across the world. It's a farm that has like Santa and stuff like that. He was miserable. Lucas was miserable. Didn't want to go anywhere. I was crying. Wanted the iPad. And he's ki- at one point, he's like laying in bed. And I'm like, come on, man. And he kicked his foot at me. And then he banged it on the bed when it was coming back down. He's like, oh. I'm like, see? You see what happened? What God did to you? Stop. Stop doing that. Stop kicking at me. Felt very upset to see him like that. And then she suggested, just put him in the car and drive him around, which is something that I used to do with him that I forgot about because we haven't had time to do this. He's either been in lessons or he's on his iPad. He got in the car. And we drove around for like an hour and a half. And he loved it. He just stared out the window. He looked. His friend was in there too. They both were looking out the way. It was, it was so peaceful and so nice. And it was, there was nothing to learn in that moment. I wasn't, I mean, obviously I talk to him when we do it. I say things and I go, look at those lights that I'm having conversations. I even did it this morning before I dropped him off at school. We drove around. I was like, look at that. Look at that. And he listens and he sits there and he kind of absorbs it. But it's not really a learning experience. There's no lessons. There's no numbers being written down. But he deserves that. He needs that time. And that's what this was about. And it's like, will there always be things to teach him? Yeah, he's going to always have to learn stuff. But I don't know. He's a 10-year-old boy. 
And sometimes I feel bad. I feel like it shouldn't be his job to overcome autism. It should be his job to just be a kid. And as the older he gets, the more I'm starting to know who he is. Like, okay, he might one day figure this out or figure that out, but he might not. And the things that he might not figure out, I don't want him to spend his whole life, you know, fighting to learn them if he can't. You know, I want him to learn them, but I don't want it to engulf who he is. It's not fair. And it's just like any other kid, man, my daughter, there's, there's things that she wants to do. You know, she used to play violin. She does, you know, different lessons and things like that. I would never want her to spend all of her time doing math, you know, or all her time writing. I mean, I want to be a writer, but I would never want her to come home and spend, you know, three hours every night writing stories. Like everyone needs some downtime. And this kid, you know, he deserves it. And he can't tell you he doesn't want it. He can't turn around and be like, no, what are you doing? Like she would, my daughter would be like, well, I'm not doing this. I'm like, all right, sorry. But he can't, he just goes with the flow and he's cool like that. And I don't know, I had that moment where all of a sudden I realized how much time this kid was spending doing all this stuff and I felt really bad. I felt like it was my job to notice and I hadn't. So now I have. So that's what I wrote about on Monday. And I got a lot of good feedback on that. I think a lot of people agree with that sentiment that sometimes you just got to let them be a kid, whether your kid is on the spectrum, off the spectrum or anything. Kids are kids. Let them be kids. Just before they know it, they'll be old. In my day, we had radio, and you couldn't see anything, and it was primitive and lousy, and we liked it. Do you want to feel old? I can make you feel old real quick right now. Are you ready? Here's how you can feel old. When I was younger in high school, and even college, if I wanted to contact a girl that I loved, I would just have to simply type in three numbers. One, four, three. Yeah. Was that one sentence, four words? Oh, no, no, it was four. Wait, one, four, three. It was, it was, it was three words, four. Jeez, I'm Christmas. Three words, four letters, one meaning. I forgot. I don't even know what it comes from. It was one, four, three, man, I love you. It was a, it was a beeper code. Do you guys know beeper codes? If you're listening to this and you're young and you don't know beeper codes, jeez, I'm Christmas. Like it's beeper codes were this ridiculous numeric messages we used to send each other on the beeper. 911, it's an emergency. 411, I need information. So we would send each other these codes. It would be like, you beep your number, asterisk, and then a little code. 143 was, I love you. I remember that one too. I had a friend. He had this relationship with this girl where they weren't dating, but they were kind of like, they fancied themselves like Zach and Kelly from Saved by the Bell. It was very bizarre. Um, It was all the the drama and the -the over-the-top things that you would expect from a relationship from two people who were not together. Anyway, you would hang out with this guy and he would spend the entire night typing in intricate numerical codes that went along to letters to write her full text messages in number form. Like we were walking and talking, you know, you know, ones and zeros like they do for the computer code. It was insanity. I don't know why it took so long for us to get to texting and things like that, but yeah, it was it was crazy. That's what beepers were like. If you didn't have a beeper, you were lucky. I had beepers. And best part about the beeper, if you guys are listening to this, if you were a guy and you clipped your beeper on your uh, your belt loop or your belt on your pants, right? I used to clip it right at the top above where my belt goes because I wouldn't wear it. I didn't like to wear it too much on my pocket. Uh, I didn't, wouldn't get one of those beeper. They used to have like beeper holsters, which were really for, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what kind of guy I would be. Like, just not for me. And um, 
I would always drop my beeper in the toilet. It was always falling in the toilet bowl. It was just you pull your pants right into the toilet. How many times I went to the beeper guy? I'm like, dude, I dropped. Did you get it wet? I didn't get it wet. I don't know what happened. I don't, are you sure you didn't? I swear I didn't get it wet, man. It's just, it stopped working. It's a piece of shit. You gave it to me. Why'd you sell me such a piece of garbage? Uh, I totally dropped the beeper in the toilet. That's how life life goes, but this is what it is. Uh, so yeah, feel old, beepers. Beepers will make you feel old. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. This week's moment of sanity is something that I'm excited because it's coming up. Something we've dealt with in the past. Something I've written about on highblogomdad.com now and then, I think. Um, and it is the annual making of the gingerbread houses, which, I don't know, it sounds like a huge event. It's really not that big of a deal. My son at his school has an event where parents go, sit with them, and we make a gingerbread house. And I love this thing. I look forward to it all the time. We've taken pictures at it. And it's the kind of thing where I actually did write about Many years ago, they made pancake faces. This was the dumbest uh, school thing ever, where we had to go to the school and they would give all the kids pancakes and then they would have to put fruit and, uh, you know, fruit uh, snacks, fruit snacks, <laughs> not actual fruit, but like little, like, you know, uh, eyes on it and, you know, chocolate chips and candy corns and all that stuff to make a little face. And my son just wanted to shove the whole thing in his mouth. That's all he wanted, just to shove it in his mouth. And it was so hard to stop him and he couldn't control himself. And that was one of the, the blog posts that I wrote about, you know, uh, I'm sorry, my son drank your coffee. And I told the story about how all he wanted to do was grab a pancake and eat it. And I tried to stop him and he jumped in the air and shoved the pancake in his mouth and he fell to the ground crying with the pancake. It was awful. It was a terrible scene. Uh, and of course, all the, the comments from people, no, hey, what about the kid who lost his pancake? What a dad you are. And it's like, dipstick, did you read the article? Like, I feel terrible about it. So that was how he used to be, where he would over the top want to eat the candy and want to eat the cookies. And I noticed a change two years ago where we had done the gingerbread house. And it was different now. It was no longer in the classroom. It wasn't a pancake face. It was, you know, little cookies and you put it together and you make a house and all that stuff. And what they do is they give you an abundance of, you know, accessories. So you're surrounded by chocolate chips and, you know, gumdrops. And this kid is known to be this hardcore shove food in his mouth kid. And he would ask for it. We're sitting there and he would like tap the, he's like tapping the candy corn. He does this little double tap. It's really cute. And he makes his face when he wants something. I'd be like, no, buddy, no, no, no. Maybe I give him one, you know, but he did it. He did the house with me. He didn't shove anything in his face. And he didn't cry and he didn't throw a fit. And even on the way out, he stopped by, saw Santa. They had, a, they had Santa Claus there. The real Santa? Yeah, the real Santa. He was there. On the way out, he met him and he went by. And I remember it was one of the proudest times that I had had with him. Because as you guys know, I've talked about it before too. He had a, a rough patch, man. We had a rough patch with Lucas for a little bit where he wasn't really progressing. He was having issues. We had to cut his school day in half. We sent people to the house to kind of help, you know, work with him there. It was about, you know, two or three years ago. And since then, he's completely changed, like a 180. He's been doing fantastic. We had, I had one of the, the special education um, administrators that said that she had never seen progress like she's seen with him in all the years she's been doing that. He's one of the top ones progressing. And I know it's not nonsense because I've seen it. I went from being like, oh my God, this kid's not going to be able to do anything to all of a sudden so proud of him. He's doing all these things. So two years ago, we went to the gingerbread houses 
he did it. And I got the picture of the gingerbread. Now, of course, it doesn't come out great. I do most of the work, you know, in the end, you, you keep it out at the house for a little while until it starts to get nasty, you throw it out. So it's not like we're celebrating this house or this is an amazing house. Or we're going to enter some sort of, you know, food network cook-off contest. But for him, being able to be there and withstand it and handle it and not be overwhelmed and not go into sensory overload, that says so much. And for the first time, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about going because even two years ago when he ended up doing great, on the way in there, I was like, oh my God, some visions of the pancake in my head. Oh my God. And that's what I'm talking about. And that's the whole point of the blog. And that's what I've been trying to explain. Uh, those things that I write about, sometimes I'll write about things that he doesn't do or things that are hard for him. And I'm not celebrating the things that he can't do, but I'm simply documenting it because as I go forward, I want him to learn. I want him to get better. I want him to achieve more. And he is. And it's a beautiful thing, you know, to go from where we were before to where we are now and hopefully where we're going to be, you know, in a week or so when we do it again. So, yeah, good for him. Good for gingerbread houses. Provides me plenty of sanity. And that's the whole point here. So, yeah, another show in the books, folks. I appreciate you guys joining me again on Friday. I'll be back next Friday. Brand new podcast. I'll be back Monday, Wednesday. New blogs uh, at highblogomdad.com. Check it out. Go to highshopomdad.com. You can get all the merchandise, do all these things, get your Christmas shopping done. I don't really hawk the, the shopping site, although I probably should, but go to highshopomdad.com. You can get all your you know, stuff that you want to give to people, and they'll like it, I promise. Um, and yeah, and you'll be happy. Happy as I am. Happy day. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, pod. I'm dad. <laughs>